Psalm 11.3 says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Hello, I'm Phil Sanders, and this is a Bible study in search of the Lord's way. Today, we're looking at the foundations of Christianity. In all the hurry and hustle and confusion of modern living, the Lord has the way. We believe that the Bible is the revelation of His way. We invite you to join us in Search of the Lord's Way with Phil Sanders. Welcome to In Search of the Lord's Way. We're here to search the Scriptures for God's will. There are a few things so relevant and necessary to life as our understanding of where we came from, who we are, to whom are we accountable, and what will happen when this life is over. The Scriptures answer all these questions and give us the foundations upon which our lives are built. Everything points back to the God of the Bible, which is the source of truth. Thanks for taking time with us today. We'd love to hear from you, and we want to be a part of your life each week. Psalm 11.3 asks, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Without these foundations, there is no Christianity. You can individually destroy Christianity in your personal thinking and life, but my friend, you can't destroy it completely. The truth of Christianity has stood the test of time, and it will continue strong in a remnant. The Jews and the Romans tried to stamp it out, burning churches and destroying Scripture manuscripts. But the way of the Lord survived to this day, and nothing can destroy the way of Christ because nothing is stronger than Christ. John 18 verse 37 records a conversation between the Lord Jesus and Pontius Pilate. Pilate said to him, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. The truth is important to Jesus, and it should be to us. If we wish to be people of the truth, we must listen to the voice of the Lord. And if we want a sure foundation for our souls, let's listen to the Lord Jesus. This is an important study on spiritual foundations, and we offer it free. If you'd like a printed copy and live in the United States, Mail your request to In Search of the Lord's Way, Post Office Box 371, Edmond, Oklahoma, 73083. Or send an email to searchtv at searchtv.org. Or you can call our toll-free telephone number. That number is 1-800-321-8633. We also have free materials on our website at searchtv.org. You can also see us on YouTube. We'll now worship in song, read from 1 Corinthians 3, 18 to 23, and explore how our spiritual foundations are found in God and cannot be destroyed.
Our reading today comes from Paul's epistle, his first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 3, verses 18 to 23. And there he discusses how strong and how wise our God is. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, He is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise that they are useless. So then let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All things belong to you and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Oh, aren't you thankful to be a Christian? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the wisdom, for the love, for the grace, and for the joy that you give to us in Christ Jesus, and the inheritance we have when this life is over. Father, help us to put our faith solidly in you and in the truths that you teach us, and to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. In the short time we have, I want to look at 10 foundational principles that are essential to understanding and being a Christian. These are essential to our commitment to the Lord. And without these things, we'll only have, uh, what we only will have is a poor substitute religion that cannot save our souls. Now, the first foundation is this, that Jesus is the Christ, that is the Messiah. Certainly, Jesus filled the many prophecies found in the Old Testament. 
Luke 2 verses 8 to 12 describes the angels addressing the shepherds. It says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You'll recall when the Magi came from the east, they asked Herod, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Well, Herod consulted the chief priests and scribes, and they answered, In Bethlehem of Judea. And they cited the prophecy of Micah 5 in verse 2. Now the Messiah was the anointed one, the Christ. He was a prophet, priest, and a king. Jesus fit these prophecies. He was born of the tribe of Judah, a son of David, and the suffering servant of Isaiah. When John the Baptist introduced Jesus, Andrew told his brother Simon Peter in John 1.41, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. A second foundation is that Jesus is the Son of God. Luke 3 verses 21 and 22 says, Now when all the people were baptized, that is by John the Baptist, Jesus was also baptized. And while He was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon Him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, we all have read that wonderful passage from John 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus normally referred to God in prayer as Father. Third, Jesus died for our sins. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 to 4, now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you're saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures." Ephesians 1 and verse 7 says that in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. 1 Peter 2 and verse 24 explains that He Himself, that is Jesus Himself, bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by His wounds you were healed. We can have forgiveness because Jesus paid the price to atone for our sins on the cross. He bore our sins with a crown of thorns, whips on His back, and nails through His hands and feet. It was personal and loving beyond our comprehension. Fourth, Jesus arose from the dead. Matthew 28, 5-7 says that the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. 
He is not here, for He has risen just as He said. Come, see the place where He was lying. Go quickly and tell His disciples that He has risen from the dead. And behold, He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see Him. Behold, I have told you. Now the apostles did see Him in Galilee, and they were willing to die preaching His resurrection. Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 preached the first gospel sermon. Acts 2, 22-24 says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through Him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in his power. The multitudes knew that he could work miracles and even raise the dead, so the resurrection was not impossible to them. Fifth, Jesus is Lord. Peter concluded the first gospel sermon in Acts 2.36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made Him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now Peter remembered the words of Jesus in Matthew 28.18, That all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. We should not suppose that Jesus is only Lord of His church. No, He is Lord of all. And you and I, we are accountable to Him. Whether we believe in Him or not, we're accountable. Philippians 2 reminds us that Jesus was humbly obedient to the Father and He went to the cross. And for this reason also God highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Philippians 2 verses 9 to 11. Now if we love the Lord, we'll keep His commandments. John 14 verse 15. We won't argue with Him or drift away from those commandments. Sixth, Jesus promised to give us the truth, and that is all the truth. The Lord Jesus said in John 8, 31-32, that if you continue in My Word, then you are truly disciples of Mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now we can know the truth that makes us free when we continue to study God's words and stay in them. Jesus could proclaim in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. The Lord Jesus promised the apostles in John 16, 12 to 13. He says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will disclose to you what is to come. Seventh, the Bible is truly the Word of God. Its many prophecies predicting the future show that it is inspired of God, that it's true 
and authoritative. We must not discount God's Word. The Bible is the most read and the most revered book of all time. It is the most translated and the most studied. It has endured because it is truly God's Word. 2 Peter 1, 20-21 says, But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And that's why we can think of every word of this as being God's Word. Now, because the Bible is God's Word, we can trust it to teach what is right and true. The Word of God is inerrant. That is, it has no errors. Now, since God does not lie, the words that He inspired only record what is true and accurate. We should believe His promises and take His warnings seriously. The Warren Christian Apologetic Center recently published a book called The Utterance of God, which provides many reasons to trust the Word of God. It also provides a valuable argument for the existence of the God of the Bible. Eighth, Jesus built His church. In Matthew 16, 15 to 18, Jesus promised His, his apostles when He said, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church." and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Jesus built His church, and it belongs to Him. I don't want to be a part of any other church than the church that Jesus built. Acts 2 and verse 20 reminds us that Jesus purchased the church with His own blood. He's the foundation of the church, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11, and He is the one and only head of His church, Ephesians 1 and verse 22. And you can't separate Christ from His church or the church from Christ. I sometimes hear people say that they want Jesus, but they don't want organized religion. Let me tell you, not all organized religion is the church that Jesus built. I don't want a church designed by men. I want the Lord's church and nothing else. I'm not asking you to join just any religious group. Let's turn to the Lord and His Word and follow Him in all that He teaches. And we can see the difference between the true church Jesus built and false religions by studying the New Testament. Ninth, Jesus is coming again. The Lord promised in John 14, 1-3, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. And in My Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. When Jesus comes again, we'll meet Him in the air. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-17 says, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we always be with the Lord. Jesus is not coming back to this earth to stay. 
we will ascend to Him and be with Him in the air from that time onward. Tenth, Jesus will judge us and He'll separate the saved from the unsaved. The Lord Jesus said in John 12 verse 48, that he who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. We will be judged by Jesus and by His words. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. I tell you, we are accountable to Jesus. Hebrews 4 verses 12 to 13 says, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And there is no creature, not you or me, there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. My friends, if we're accountable to the Lord Jesus, then we must listen to and serve Him from our hearts. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, help us always to listen to Your Son Jesus, to do His will, to serve Him, to love Him. And may our hearts always serve You and be close to You in Jesus' name. Amen. If you wish to go to heaven, the 11th foundation says that we must believe and obey the Lord out of love. Now, if I'm to be saved at all, I'll be saved by the grace of God through faith when I obey the gospel out of love. We are indeed saved by grace, the gift of God, <clears throat> but we must receive the gift in faith and love. Gives must be accepted. Faith and love always act in ways that honor the gift. John 3.36 says that he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Later the Lord said in John 8.51, Truly, truly, I say to you that if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. 
Now, this obedience out of faith and love require that one repent of sin. The Lord Jesus said twice in Luke 13, 3 and 13, 5, that unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Peter told the guilty Jews at Pentecost in Acts 2.38, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul told the pagan philosophers at Mars Hill in Acts 17.30, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. Now, repentance and baptism is how we respond to the gospel message. It's how we received by grace the forgiveness of sins. This was true at the first gospel sermon, and it's still true today. God's way to salvation has never changed. And that's why I urge you to repent and be baptized, immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. Acts 2 and verse 38. We pray that this study about the foundations of Christianity leads you to obey. If you live in the United States and want a free printed copy of this message, mail your request to In Search of the Lord's Way, Post Office Box 371, Edmond, Oklahoma 73083. Or send an email to searchtv at searchtv.org. Or you can call the search office toll free at 1-800-321-8633. Now there's also a schedule of our programs and a map with the location of churches in your area at searchtv.org. You can watch Search anytime on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel, Search TV Ministry, and like our programs. Now we ask that you, you think about a free Bible correspondence course. We offer them and they're free. And don't worry, we're never asking for money. We're here to help you draw close to God. Focus your heart on God by worshiping at church. Everybody needs a church family. And I realize that some of you, for health reasons, can't attend worship. I'm speaking to those who can attend and haven't been. There's probably a Church of Christ near you. And if you're looking for a healthy biblical church home, we'll gladly help you find one. We'll be back next week, Lord willing. Keep searching God's Word with us. Tell a friend about this program. God bless you, and we love you from all of us at In Search of the Lord's Way.